This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Terror Talk. Thank you so much for listening. This is the second installment of our series on Jim Jones, and I am still talking about his mom and dad because, and where he, where he was born. We haven't even gotten to him being born yet, actually. We have not. A little recap. Lynetta is his mom. What we figured out about Lynetta so far is that she did a lot of things for survival. She most likely has some kind of narcissistic injury. She was a fabricator, made up stories that cast her in a better light than may have been organically true. She married Jim Jones's father, who I am referring to as Jim Sr. in this story, so we don't get them confused. Uh, they got married mostly out of survival, I think, for both of them. Jim Sr. had a very difficult injury from being gassed in World War One, and when they got married, he was he was already injured, and it was a difficult time. So, we are in Crete, Indiana, C R E T E, a town of twenty eight. <laughs> Still, that's where they live. Lynetta vocalized her hatred for her life very clearly, and any time she could. She was an outcast in the town. She was different from everyone else. She was a smoking, kind of loudmouth lady. And at that time, in that Quaker community, very small town, and her husband's family was a big part of that town. I think he had like 12 brothers and sisters from two different, you know, moms and owned a lot. They owned a lot of land. Like she just, Lanetta was not making any friends, honestly. And when they got together with Jim Sr.'s family, the husband's family, who mostly did well for themselves, she would be, no shock, no shocker to Kathy and I, she would be hot with resentment. So mad. Yeah. So envious. Yeah. So filled with rage. Because other people had what she wanted and she didn't make it, she didn't get that in her life. She Mm -hmm. just burned with envy. Anytime they got together, which was, of course, frequent because they were at this point pretty desperate for support and all of that. And they weren't getting any from her husband's family. So when they got together, she would be so mad that that's the way it was happening. She felt she deserved more. She would say, you know, I had set tremendously high goals for myself. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you may have set tremendously high goals for yourself, but you expected everybody else to give them to you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Which again, part of the part of the personality, but it's like, oh, you may have had high goals, but I'm not seeing you working towards any of them. Like, okay. Except for getting married, which I understand at that time was a, a way to work towards goals because women of the time, that's all they had. 
At least that's what we're led to believe in this story. Mm -hmm. Let's put it that way. Then it got worse. Jim Sr. couldn't work around the house. Lynetta felt, you know, he was useless on the farm and was very vocal about that. The bills started piling up. You know, they'd been married for a minute. She used to call it a certain type of slavery that she was in. Oh, wow. Yeah. Because she was working this farm that she had no business working, even though I'm sure she conned her way into thinking that, you know, telling everyone she could. She has an ill husband who can only work so much. She thought her in-laws hated her when actually they admired her spunk. They Mm. admired her personality. She felt they should, they should, you know, say her and their son when they really left them alone. Like she felt that they should want them around and support them and that they should be leaning in to help them all the time. But what they were really doing is they were leaving them alone, the family alone to build something for themselves as a sign of respect. Mm. It's just like culturally she was looking for everyone, that family to live up to what she thought she was marrying into and expecting a handout from that family and for them to solve her issues and, and allow her to achieve whatever quote unquote goals she had which I don't even know what those would have been. I imagine to not work and to write all day and become an author or something. I'm not sure. I know that's what was one of the things that she hoped for herself. But what they were really doing is in that community, you you let people do their own thing. You let people build their own life out of respect. Like we're not going to give you handouts because we know, we believe, we know that you would lo- want to build that for yourself. Right. Wouldn't you, Lynetta? Right. No, 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 she no. most certainly does not. She's like, <laughs> hand it over. <laughs> hand over what I feel entitled to. That's right. Right. Cause I got to put up with this dumbass that doesn't do anything. Right. Because I happen to choose to marry this person that I made this fiction in my mind was going to be a certain way. And Oh, when the fiction wasn't true, <laughs> I'm going to blame everybody else for that. She felt desperate, though. If we just lean into a little bit of, we're getting all of those inklings about the narcissism that she had, right? But let's also take into consideration that she had gotten herself to a pretty desperate place. She felt desperate in her situation. Whether or not we agree with it or not, whether we're kind of making fun of her for, you know, expecting others to save her and all of that, but also understand the culture of the time Mm -hmm. and how women did have to be incredibly dependent in this kind of community and with the laws that, you know, women were not provided at the time and the, they didn't have a lot of skills or training and she didn't go to school and and all of that. So she felt pretty desperate in her situation to switch it up. She felt that something had to be done to make the family more inclined to help a manipulation agreed a manipulation But she just thought that that was the ticket. She had gotten herself into this position. She was like, the ticket is, is that I need this family to help. Like there's nobody else to help us or we're going to lose the farm. Like the farm that they had been given, you know, the down payment they've been given. We're going to lose it. Right. Side note, she was also very prone to saying that she had visions. Shockingly. Of course she did. I know. She stated she had a fevered vision of the spirit of her mother appearing and saying she could not die because it was her destiny to give birth to a child who would become a great man. Right. Jesus. So anyway, visions set aside, but desperation is more where I lean. 
in the fall of 1930, Lynetta announces that she's pregnant because she felt that was the way to go. Right. I mean, that saves every situation, Mm -hmm. getting pregnant. She thought that the family would say, oh, now we have to take care of you. That's right. That you're having a baby and this family wants you your baby to be healthy because it's part of our family. Right. And so we'll take care of you. That That is what she was leaning towards because if truth be told, she didn't have any maternal instinct and not a lot of maternal or nurturing qualities as we have stated already. Like, is there anything in what I've already talked about her that <laughs> in any way suggests that she'd be a great mom or wanted to be a mom? Not really. So on May 13th, 1931, James Warren Jones was born in the Crete farmhouse. In the farmhouse. And, you know, I mean, their shack. Mm -hmm. At this point, it could be known as little more than a shack where they lived. Because, like we've said, she legitimately got pregnant in order to get some help because they were going to lose the farm and it was all going to ruin. So James Warren Jones, a.k.a. Jim Jones, that we know nowadays as the mass murderer. What year was he born? At Jonestown, 1931. Okay. And guess what? Did they lean in and help her? <laughs> what do you think, kids? You want to roll the dice? <laughs> so now she had, instead of all of that fiction she'd created, like this was going to solve it, now she had even more responsibility. Mm-hmm. With now less she help. was taking care of a farm and a an, and an, uh, husband who was injured and compromised and disabled. And guess what? Nothing changed in how the family treated them. She had never wanted to be a mother and reportedly had no maternal instincts. And shortly after Jim Jones Jr., which is what I'm going to call him for the sake of knowing who the Jim Sr. is, shortly after he was born, Jim Sr. suffered a complete breakdown that required months of hospitalization. The physician that described him as nervous, irritable, emotional, and his nervous system and physical condition was shot. Mm. completely subpar so what i hear in that again (laughs) i can only imagine his headspace not only can he barely work for a living and barely bring home any kind of money for his wife and also i am also imagining that she was a difficult she was difficult verbally with him i'm imagining he was no peach in the situation either he was spending a lot of time at the local pool hall because home was not a thrilling place to be, I imagine. And they get pregnant. He's older. Mm-hmm. He was 47 when Jim, was, when Jim Jones was born. And also, from accounts, he might have been 47, but he looked about 65. He looked... From his life. They called him old man. Like now we think 47, please, like 47. Right, but uh, what he had been through. What he he had been through and all of the sickness and the lungs and the voice and the hardship, the hard life he was living, the very physical hard life. Now he's going to be a father. And now at 47, also no instinct to procreate ever, right? Like when all everyone he knew was having babies back in the day, when he was a healthy person before he went to war, He had no instinct to do that. And everybody was doing that at 18 then. Right. So here it is 30 years later. At 47, he's got a baby. And he already had emotional issues from the war. 
he would return home from that like initial months of hospitalization, but he would go back and forth to the hospital for the rest of his life. He would go through periods of time where he would have to go back to be stabilized. So Jim was unwanted. Yep. Jim Jr. Yep. Was unwanted. Yeah, and he was a manipulation. Mm-hmm. Born to parents who did not have the capacity to parent. Mm-mm. And parented in the only ways that they knew how, which we'll certainly get into. But also, Lynetta was, for what we can see in all of her writings and, and, and the things that have been written about her and the people that have talked about her as a person, she was wholly and completely unsympathetic to Jim Sr.'s emotional issues, his injuries, his health issues. She just wanted... She wanted what she wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She saw her husband as weak. And surrendering to emotional issues Mm -hmm. and felt left alone on the farm. Like, I can understand that feeling. Mm -hmm. I can understand, like, she felt abandoned, which wasn't going to go well for her. But you can feel abandoned and not have a void of empathy. Mm -hmm. She felt abandoned. She felt like he was weak and should, you know, man up. And all those feelings that still those phrases that are used in our society for men, which are unfair, I just get this real sense of what they were like verbally with each other Mm -hmm. and how she may have treated him. So when Jim Jones was about three years old, they moved from Crete to Lynn, Indiana, which like I I was saying last week, uh, a lot of times it's referenced as if he was born in Lynn, Indiana, but technically he was born in Crete. I wanted to read a little something from one of the handful of sources that I used. There was a bunch of articles, a bunch of websites with Lynetta's writings on them. There was a few LA Times articles that I used to start to bring all of this to life. And there's a couple books. And one of the books was The Road to Jonestown, Jim Jones and the People's Temple, which is by Jeff Gwynn, who's a very accomplished writer. And he also wrote a book on Manson that I used actually for some parts of our our Manson series back in the day, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is not actually widely available right now. Those episodes are, are behind a gated, they're in a gated community at the moment. They're in the vault, <laughs> as, Disney, the as vault. Disney would say. That's right. Maybe to be published later again. I like his writing, and that's why I was so excited to find that he wrote a book on Jones, too. I'm like, this man has all the same interests as me, only he's, you know executing things in the world, writing about them. And I'm just blabbing about them. But I find this interesting about Lynetta. In her tale, she refused to leave until a house in Lynn was guaranteed to her. So there in Crete, she has this baby. And Lynetta recounted this confrontation that happened in 1934. So Jim is about three years old. Between herself and a representative of the bank, because they're about to close in on this farm, right? They're not going to not going to do this anymore. Bank's like, fuck off, get out. So she has this confrontation with the bank person as you would want, you'd, you'd want her in a dog fight. Like you'd want Lynette on your side in a dog fight. Oh yeah. <laughs> She's going to go to town. She, whom she said was ordered to throw her family out of the house and off their land. Like that's where it had gotten to. So in her tale, she refused to leave until guaranteed a house in Lynn. Quote, unquote, I intend to have a roof over my child's head come hell or high water. Tell your boss I don't know how to play the role of a worm and I'm not fixing to learn. I wish I could do an Indiana accent, but I imagine it was quite 
dramatic. So that's how she recalls the story when she tells the story. But the reality was that the other Joneses stepped in. Her moving to Lynn was not, you know, she didn't make that happen. That was her story that she made it happen. And she told the bank to go to hell and they went away and then they figured out how to move. No, the reality was that finally her in-laws stepped in. A house, not fancy, but perfectly adequate, was found in Lynn for Jim, Lynetta, and Jimmy. As the family called the youngster, they called him Jimmy Warren, actually, both his middle name too, which is a lot of the case in the Midwest sometimes. It was on Grant Street, where two of Jim's brothers already lived. Jim's army pension would have to be put toward the rent and also whatever occasional wage he might earn should his health permit to return to work. Now, there's some important pieces here. His father and brothers would assume the remaining financial responsibility. So for Lynetta's perspective, she, of course, didn't say it this way because it all had to be about her and how she did things and how she made it happen. But what she ultimately had wanted was for them to step in and take care of her. They did. (laughs) So the whole having the baby thing worked, but it only worked three years later when they're about to foreclose on their house. And it came with conditions, which she did not appreciate. So they assumed the financial responsibility, and that was fine with Lynetta. But then the Joneses set out that they expect what they expected of her for this. Mm. Because you understand limits and expectations with a kid like Lynetta are tough. Yes. Setting limits and expectations about not being able to do whatever the fuck you want is a little bit of a thing. And so this was not a family to be messed with. So they set some expectations. It was fine, but here's what we need. While her son was a toddler, she could stay home and raise him. But once the child started school, Lynetta's in-laws would continue helping out financially only if she found a job and earned the bulk of the necessary household income. Mm. So they're like, hello, you made a choice to marry our disabled son from the war, did his service. We have a lot of compassion for that. You've given us a child to add to the family. However, you got to do your part. So you can raise him now, but when he goes back to school, that's over. All the handouts are over. You got to raise the necessary income. So that's going to play a part in a little bit. Okay. When <laughs> when Jimmy goes to school, <laughs> there are going to be some other discussion items uh, regarding Jim's mother, including like her writings and Jonestown, you know, her contradicting views on her son, actually, I've mm. seen in some of her writings. Um, there's some interesting notes on her gravesite, et cetera, as well mm. as recordings of Jim talking about his upbringing that I'm going to, and I'm going to use some of those additional items, those extra items and kind of our mini cast as part of our, okay. our Patreon membership. So there's a lot more to go into, which is kind of interesting and fun in the sense from a psychological standpoint, it's interesting and fun to, yeah. to look at all of that. So I'm going to do, you know, some of that in our, in our extra content. So if you're interested in, in supporting us and you'd like more of this kind of deeper dive into these kinds of personalities and, and what ultimately happened, think about checking out our Patreon campaign. But for today, that's a little bit more about that. Now, next time we're going to get more into there's a move to Lynn, Indiana, and then Jimmy is three, and then at six, he enters 
first grade and what begins to happen to him, how he grows up, the culture of Lynn, Indiana, which has a lot to do with what kind of schooling was happening there. Prohibition had ended, but for Indiana, not so much. Mm. You know, prohibition had ended, but no, it was still very strictly anti-anti. Yeah. All that kind of stuff. Lynetta's behavior and her extremism begins to escalate as well. And Jimmy hooks up with a a local evangelical Nazarene woman who lives across the street. And she takes him under her wing and there's a lot that happens. There's a a skill set born. (laughs) There's a skill set that happens right there for him. Some things that he was naturally you know, the environment he had already been in kind of gave to him and also some things that were learned and and lessons he took away from who his mom was. So we're going to start to get into that next week. We hope you're enjoying going on this uh, deeper dive into Jim Jones with us from our psychological perspective. Also, if you're into horror, come to our Friday shows because those are exclusively horror now. So Wednesdays are true crime. Fridays are horror. We hope you join us. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon. And I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone.